and welcome to the Earth Rangers podcast. Earth Rangers! Earth Rangers! Earth Rangers! I'm Earth Ranger Emma. Today, I've got a bit of a bird mystery on my hands, and I hope we can solve it together. But before we get into that, here's your true or false animal quiz for today. True or false? True or false? True or false? True or false? Here's something I've often wondered about. Do ostriches bury their heads in the sand when they're afraid? I've seen that in cartoons a lot, but cartoons aren't exactly the most reliable source for research. So, what do you think? Do ostriches hide their noggins when they're freaked out? True or false? Take a guess and I'll reveal the answer at the end of this episode. Now, back to the real mystery. Let me set the scene. It was a Tuesday morning. I had just finished my daily kung fu routine. When I went outside to fill my bird feeder. I've got a ton of feathered friends who frequent my yard, and they get a little grumpy if I forget their breakfast. I was just hanging the feeder back up in a tree when this strange little bird flew overhead. It was small and yellow, but that wasn't the weird part. Here's what confused me. Something was sticking out its back. So I grabbed my binoculars and sure enough, the bird had an antenna. Like, like some kind of radio controlled robot cyber bird. But why would someone make a robot bird and why would they fly it into my yard? What do you even feed a robot bird? Nuts and bolts? <laughs> so there's my mystery. Lucky for me. I know just the right person who could shed some light on this case. Dr. Bridget Stutchbury, professor of biology and bird genius at York University in Toronto. I think it's time I gave her a call. Hello. Hi, uh, Dr. Bridget. This is Earth Ranger Emma. Hi, Emma. How are you today? I'm good, but I have a huge bird mystery I was hoping you could help me solve. Oh, I'd love to. Okay, so I was watching birds near my bird feeder this morning, and through my binoculars, I saw that one of the birds had a little antenna attached to it. Is it possible that this is a remote-controlled robot bird? <laughs> I don't think so. I think what you saw was, is amazing. It, it sounds like it's a bird that has a radio transmitter attached uh, to a little backpack that it's wearing. So somebody's doing research trying to track the bird's migration. So it's really neat that you saw one in your backyard. Huh. So it's scientists who put antennas on birds. Yeah. But what do they use them for? Well, a lot of our migratory birds are disappearing. Uh, their numbers are dropping badly, and uh, they travel such long distances all the way to South America and back. And so a lot of researchers, like myself, are tagging birds to try to find out where they go exactly on migration and what problems they face along the way and try to fix those problems. Wow, that's so important. But how do you do it? Do you have to be really quick to catch the birds? <laughs> well, you can catch them in nets or different kinds of traps. And we catch the birds and gently band them and put the little backpack on and then we let them go. Huh. It doesn't hurt them, does it? No, it doesn't. Uh, people have been catching birds in nets for decades now. And so the methods are uh, really, really safe. Uh, the nets are very soft and baggy. And so when the bird flies into it, they don't hurt themselves. 
you have to have a special permit and training to know how to take them out of the net safely. So you have to be super gentle, and usually it only takes a few minutes, and uh, they just fly off as though nothing happened. Oh, that's good to know. So what's the most surprising thing that you've learned from your tagging studies? Well, the most amazing thing was how fast they go. We put special tags on to track their migration, and so we were able to tell when they left. And uh, the fastest one was a bird called the purple martin, which is a large swallow. And they can fly from Brazil back to Canada in only two weeks. It's like 8,000 kilometers. It's amazing how fast they can go. Really? Wow. So what does a typical day look like for a migrating bird? Do they wake up in the morning and then just start flying? Songbirds generally fly at night because the air is cooler and calmer and hawks and and eagles can't catch them. So uh, they usually just uh, start at sunset and then they stop whenever they get tired and find a safe place to rest for the day. Huh. But wait a minute. Is that why it's important for us to turn our lights off? Yeah, certainly. Uh, Imagine from the bird's point of view, there were no lights on the ground a few hundred years ago. And people have created all these cities And birds usually use the stars. They can tell where the North Star is and they can orient properly, like having a compass. But when we have lights on the ground, the birds get really confused. So we can help save birds by turning the lights off, especially during migration. That sounds so important. I'm kind of curious, what would you say is the best part about your job? Oh, my favorite part of the job is uh, trying to teach other people about birds. They're so smart and so interesting, and they're in trouble. So I love talking to people and writing books and getting people to love birds the way I do. Okay, one last question. What's your favorite bird of all time? Oh, my favorite bird is one that's not from Canada, unfortunately. I've never even seen one. It's called the kakapo. It's this weird, weird parrot from New Zealand. It's a giant parrot. It can't fly. It nests underground, and they waddle around at night looking for fruit to eat. And the males call at night, these loud, booming calls, like like toads calling from a pond. And unfortunately for the kakapo, uh, because they live only on the ground, um, invasive species like rats and cats... Um, can eat them very easily. So there's not very many left in New Zealand. And I, my, my goal, my dream is to go see one before it's too late. Well, I'm so glad we still have them. Next time I'm in New Zealand, I'll keep an eye out. But what's your favorite Canadian bird? Uh, my favorite Canadian bird is a really flashy one called the Scarlet Tanager. At least the males are flashy. Bright, bright, bright red with black wings. And uh, especially if they're sitting in the sun, you just think, wow, this is amazing. Why are they so colorful? They're a really beautiful bird. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bridget. We really appreciate all of your knowledge. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye. (laughs) Wow, that was really fascinating. I actually want to look into this topic in a little bit more detail. Hmm, here's a promising article. Ooh, wow. Okay, just just give me one minute to do some quick research. And I'm back. Okay, after doing some very quick but extremely scientifically accurate and thorough research, I've got another terrific tale of tagging to share with you. And this time, it's all about 
the wandering albatross. Anyone know what an albatross is? Mm, I have no idea, but it sounds like it. Like, I'm thinking something like an elephant. Yeah, yeah. like something like a spiky. I don't know. Maybe something extinct. It sounds like a lizard. A gliding lizard. Um, like a caribou or something. Mm, bald eagle. <laughs> well, thanks, everyone. Wandering albatrosses are big seabirds. How big? Well, their wingspan can be up to three and a half meters, or 12 feet for our American friends. That's actually the widest wingspan of any bird. It looks a little bit like a ginormous seagull. You can find an albatross gliding in the air above the ocean or floating on the water. So here's the thing. Scientists know that these birds like to eat squid and they've been observed feeding squid to their babies. Big, juicy chunks of extra-large squids. Mmm. Which is what baffled scientists. These large squid actually live really deep down in the ocean. So how are these big, clumsy birds catching them? No one has ever seen an albatross dive down into deep waters to catch a squid, and without close observation, it would be hard to find out how they do it. Now, good luck trying to follow an albatross on the open water while they hunt. That's pretty much impossible, which is where this story gets really interesting. The biologist put tags onto the albatrosses and waited. And then they got some really weird data. First, they thought the device was broken. It looked like during dark, moonless nights, the albatrosses were sitting in the water and paddling in circles, sometimes for hours. The scientists thought about this, and then realized what the albatrosses were doing. They were fishing. How? Well, in the dark of night, albatrosses stir up little microscopic ocean creatures that create bioluminescence when they get agitated. Bioluminescence is light created by something that's alive. A squid then looks up from the deep and sees the big ball of light and thinks, ooh, shiny, what's that? And heads right for it. And gets eaten. So, bad news for the squid, but delicious news for the albatross. If scientists hadn't tagged the birds, there's no way they would have found out that albatrosses use this super clever fishing technique. Earth Rangers! It's absolutely fascinating what we can learn from tagging birds. Know what else is great about birds, though? Bird humor? Check it out. <clears throat> Why do seagulls fly over the sea? Because if they flew over the bay, they'd be bagels. <laughs> Get it? Bagels. Bagels. Like the bread. <laughs> forget about it. But don't forget about the fact that we are looking for the best animal joke of all time. Record your joke by going to earthrangers.com slash podcast and click on the green leave us a message button. If you do so before the end of April 2019, you'll have the chance to win a super stylish Earth Rangers t-shirt. Good luck. <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm on my way to becoming a real ornithologist. That's a bird expert in case you were wondering. But we're not done with our fabulous feathery episode yet. Not by a long shot.
It's time for... Wild and Wacky Animal Facts. Wild and Wacky Animal Facts. Wild and Wacky Animal Facts. So, everyone always associates owls with being smart. They look clever, right? Well, we're going to find out if that's true or just a myth. And we'll do it with the help of my good friend, animal trainer Vincent. Hey, Emma. And to speak on behalf of the owls, Vincent brought a special animal ambassador in with him today. Meet Sonic, the European barn owl. <laughs> Sounds like Sonic's really excited to be here. I can tell. So, we've been learning all about birds on today's podcast, and we have an owl question. But first, we'd love to become barn owl experts. So what's the coolest thing about Sonic? Just one thing? Well, probably the way he flies without making any noise. Sonic has specialized feathers on the outer edges of his wings that are kind of frayed like the outer edges of a scarf, and that allows him to cut through the air without barely making a sound. Like a ninja? <laughs> sort of, Emma, yeah. Yeah, kind of like a ninja. He is super quiet when he's flying. I'm sure most of you Earth Rangers have heard a pigeon fly. And when they flap their wings, it makes a lot of noise. Well, Sonic, you know what? It's the complete opposite. He is super, super quiet. Hmm. What does Sonic enjoy eating? He's a lot bigger than the birds that frequent my bird feeder. I feel like he probably needs a bigger meal than sunflower seeds. No, that's uh, he would hate trying to eat those seeds and nuts. He's a carnivore. He's all about those tasty, furry mice. That's his favorite food um, by far, yeah. Ah, got it. Wait, how come Sonic isn't saying hoot hoot? Isn't that a traditional owl call? That's what most people think, but that's sort of a misconception. Not all owls um, hoot, as you can hear right now. Barn owls are loud and sort of screechy like Sonic. <laughs> huh, okay. Now the big question. Are owls smart? Like, in cartoons, they're usually depicted as professors. So can Sonic do algebra? <laughs> Unfortunately, that is another common misconception. Uh, owls are not the wisest, and I can tell you guys why. Um, it's hard to tell by this cute little face here, but Sonic has such big eyeballs that they fill up a lot of the space in his skull. So that doesn't leave a lot of space for the brain to develop. So unfortunately, they have pretty small brains for their sizes, and uh, that means that he's not the smartest. But again, he doesn't really need to be smart because he's super quiet, he has really good hearing, and he has really good night vision too. And all those three things together allow him to catch mice very easily. Well, now we know, Earth Rangers. Owls aren't necessarily as smart as professors, but they're definitely amazing in their own way. Thanks, Vincent. Hey, my pleasure. See you later, Emma. We have learned a ton about birds today, Earth Rangers. And since you're basically ornithologists now, I know you're going to want to be involved in the For the Birds mission. For more information about that, let's check in with Captain Conservation. Attention, Earth Rangers. <clears throat> This is Captain Conservation coming to you with a special assignment. Your mission today is for the birds. To complete this mission, you will build a homemade bird feeder for our feathery friends and then use a handy tracking sheet to take note of who visits your feeder. And don't forget to take the bird quiz. Can you get all 10 questions right? After today's podcast, I'm sure you'll ace it. So what are you waiting for? Time to accept your mission. 
Captain. Okay, it's time to reveal the answer to our true or false question. True or false? Do ostriches bury their heads in the sand? Quick, what do you say? True or false? And the answer is... False! But it kind of looks that way. Why? Because ostriches make their nests in the sand, and they need to turn their eggs a few times a day. So if you saw an ostrich turning their eggs, it would look like they were burying their heads in the sand. But they're totally not. Rats! Looks like cartoons were wrong again. I don't know about you, but I've learned a ton today. Join me next time when we try to figure out how animals communicate. And maybe even learn how to speak elephant. No, uh, elephantish? Elephantese? Oh, and don't forget to submit your great animal jokes. I can't wait to hear them. For now, I'm going to fly home to check out what's going on at my bird feeder. Thanks for listening, and keep on ranging! Earth Ranger! <laughs> Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Sparted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. Hey, parents and teachers, have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.